0: This is Positive Parenting, parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brat. Hello and welcome to today's Positive Parenting Show. I'm Armin Brat. A few years ago, Madeleine Levine identified a national problem, and that was that America's affluent families, not necessarily rich, but just affluent, with their emphasis on performance and perfection and competition and materialism, are creating a large population of accomplished but emotionally troubled adolescents. And she asked herself, okay, now we've got the problem identified, so what do we do? Is there some way to reverse these really disheartening trends? And I'm talking about things like the emotional problems, limited coping skills, and disengagement from learning. How do we raise and educate all of our kids to become successful in meaningful and authentic ways as opposed to the kind of superficial success that only just exhausts and impairs our kids? Sure, we all want successful children, but until we're clearer about our core values and the parenting choices that are most likely to lead to real success, we're going to continue to raise exhausted, externally driven, impaired children who believe that they are only as good as their last performance. According to Madeline Levine, who's going to be our guest for this part of today's show, real success is measured not by today's report card, but by the people our children become 10 or 15 years down the line. A discussion with Madeline Levine about what really matters for our kids and for us as parents, and we'll start right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brought after this. From the Mr.Tad.com radio network.
1: Hands can do incredible things. This is the sound of 326 hands playing Mozart. This is the sound of 10,942 hands showing appreciation. 64 hands building a house for the homeless. 142 hands swimming a triathlon. 18 hands winning the big game. And this is the sound of two hands helping to save a life. It's called Hands Only CPR, and it's recommended by the American Heart Association. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. It's incredibly easy and effective. Hands can do incredible things but nothing compares to using them to help save a life. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and my guest for this part of today's show is Madeline Levine, who's the author of Teach Your Children Well, Why Values and Coping Skills Matter More Than Grades, Trophies, or Fat Envelopes. Madeline, thanks for joining us.
2: You're welcome. It's a pleasure.
0: Let's talk about how you are defining values and coping skills. I think that's going to be an important thing for the rest of the discussion.
2: Sure. So um, coping skills clearly are a, sort of a, a basket of uh, ways that kids and adults learn to deal with the various um, challenges that are an inevitable part of life. So, And everybody's basket is a little different. We rely on different things. But I'm an adolescent therapist primarily, and so I put a very strong value on things like self-control, self-reliance, self-esteem, enthusiasm. Uh, Other other coping skills might be something like feeling that you make an impact in the world, what psychologists call self-efficacy. That's really important. Coping skill might be, um, you know, deep breathing, uh, self-soothing. Whatever it is, You know, one of the things I do, Armin, when I talk to groups of people, of parents, is ask them how many of them have never had a trauma, financial loss, an illness, a death, whatever in the family. And these are usually parents who are sort of really rushing in to help their kids avoid feelings of distress. And, of course, as adults, we've all had challenges. Um, So this idea of rushing in to save your child and not letting them develop any one of these things that I'm talking about um, I think really hobbles them for life and for life and then you ask me about values and you know basically it's a it's a sense of integrity and honesty and um, not uh, I'm doing a, a show tomorrow on this study that just came out showing that uh, affluent kids are in fact more narcissistic and more entitled than other kids.
0: How is it that we happen to be living in a world where that's not the default, though? What happened?
2: Boy, (laughs) that's the question. Um, You know, like any major social shift, I I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's the culmination of a whole bunch of vector forces. Um, Part of it has to do is, I think, this tremendous bifurcation of wealth in the country. So this country more and more is about the haves and the have-nots. And so, Parents are distraught um, if they think their kid is going to be one of the have-nots and um, often are willing to ignore what I think are critical junctures in learning for kids. I'm in Marin. um, It is not unusual to have uh, a parent whose child's been picked up for, I don't know, speeding or driving under the influence or, you know, get a lawyer. Um, because they're terrified that that will impact their child's chances of getting into Stanford or Washington, um, George Washington or, you know, wherever. Mm -hmm. It's a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake because it teaches kids to always look on the outside for solutions to their problems, and it teaches them not to take responsibility. And, you know, I, I think often parents don't see what a mistake it is while their kids are still under their roof. But then they send them off, and you know these are the kids I see in my practice. They, they haven't learned that that's a really bad thing to do. So I think we're is worried. It,
0: is it a bad thing to do the first time, or is it only bad if you make a habit of it?
2: I think it's a really bad. I think it's a really bad thing to do. So my story. I I raised three sons. Uh, the last one starts his uh, first day of work tomorrow. So, I I just got to raise, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so they're all basically going out into the world at this point and um, my oldest kid who's a lawyer now the first dance at high school um you know boys at their first high school dance they're nervous as heck so he and a bunch of buddies have one beer in the bushes behind the school and they get caught And we get a call, you know, from the police station, and we have to come down. And I'm beside myself as a mother, and I'm carrying on. And my husband says, it's the best thing that could happen. Do not get him off. And he was absolutely right, because once that happens to your kid, they have to take responsibility for it. And that responsibility at local high schools here means you can't really screw up again if you want this expunged from your record. So... It kept him, you know, it was a very hard night for him, for me, but there was a lot to be learned. So, no, I I think if your kid is picked up for something that is potentially um, lethal, like driving under the influence or speeding, I don't think you you'd get them off, not even the first time, which makes me sound sort of, you know, hard-ass, which I'm not.
0: No, um, no. I mean, I was thinking, that as you're saying that, my, my dad did something like that with me. When I was younger, but kind of in a preemptive way, he used to be an uh, assistant district attorney in, in Oakland. Uh-huh. And I thought, I don't remember what it was that precipitated this thing. I think I might have shoplifted or something. Uh-huh. And he took me down to the jail and had me fingerprinted and put into a cell for, yeah. I, I imagine I was in there mm-hmm. for 10 seconds. Yeah but i got a very distinct impression i never ever ever want to come back here again right, I mean, right. and you know it's kind of extreme i suppose but then i can look back and think oh, i wonder if i could do that to my kids but probably not but it's well, yeah well, I, well, I think well, the our, why, the lesson why not why not well I, there you go you're right
2: <laughs> I, think, I i mean i think what i hear in the office over and over is i can't stand to see my kid unhappy Or, um, you know, I'm busy and I'm away and I don't want any conflict when I'm home. Um, Things like that. And, and look, the easy part of parenting is the loving, warm, responsive part of parenting. Uh, I know you have kids now. The hard part is setting the limits, drawing the lines, having your kids be mad at you, rolling their eyes, slamming the door. But it's exactly in those experiences that kids develop a sense of what's right and wrong. So this idea that we can't, you know, if a mom says to me, I see mostly moms, if a mom says to me, I can't stand to see my kid unhappy, my answer always is then you're in the wrong business. Because I really do believe that to raise a kid, you're going to have to tolerate them being unhappy with you from time to time, because you've got judgment. They don't. You know, their, their, their brains are like what, like Ferraris without brakes?
0: <laughs> we yeah. have
2: to be the brakes.
0: Well, how do you begin? Let me just kind of jump into the middle of this thing. If sure. If you have not had the taking responsibility kinds of conversations or lifestyle with your child, and you've got a child who already is a teenager or 20-something who isn't taking a lot of responsibility, is there a way back from that?
2: Well, you know, obviously it's easier if you start out that way, Um, so that's preferable. Do I think it's ever too late? I I don't think it's ever too late to change things in your relationship with your children. What I don't think works is somebody who reads, you know, either The Price of Privilege, which I wrote, or Teach Your Children Well, and goes home and says, okay, everything's different here. You know, and that doesn't work. I mean, I think if you're going to, to let's take a, a single example of uh, you have a kid in the house who, I don't know, doesn't make his bed, doesn't do his laundry, doesn't contribute, and he's 18 years old. and And you want to change that, I think you have to sit down and have a discussion about the fact that the house is a community. The only way it works is because, like any community, people pitch in there are always people who do more and who do less but you can't not contribute and maintain your place in a community so you start with from now on i expect you to do your laundry you know i don't mm-hmm. think you can start with everything that's kind of it'll fail and then everybody feels bad but you...
0: Now, if you get some pushback about hey you know you used to take care of this stuff for me do you actually go through, I'm just sort of imagining this scenario, do you say, you know what, I made some mistakes Mm -hmm. over the years and I I really should have insisted that you take more responsibility and now I'm going to change my approach or do you just do it?
2: Uh, Well, no. I mean, I think your first point, absolutely right. I think it's very good to tell your kid you've rethought something. Very good to tell your kid you've made mistakes. I happen to think that one of the The the, uh, most astounding Things that kids don't know Is that their parents have Made mistakes you know we look Very successful to our children They're young they haven't had life experience And so this business of being A perfect kid or a straight A student you know the kind Of social pressure academic Pressure that kids have now it's Crazy because none of Us are actually a students In life you know we're kind of good At some things and not so good at other
0: things. Madeline Levine is the author of Teach Your Children Well, Why Values and Coping Skills Matter More Than Grades, Trophies, or Fat Envelopes. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue talking with Madeline Levine.
1: People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just one phone charger. So um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks, how much energy and money could the new ones really save? Maybe it's time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the energy and resources we can, because a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later, and you just never know what people will need in the future. My name is Sarah,
2: and I'm going to get started today.
0: We can all help save more energy for tomorrow what's your excuse for more energy saving tips that also save money visit loseyourexcuse.gov parents this message is brought to you by the u.s. department of energy the ad council and the station i'm four years old and i'm the only one in my whole class that can tie his own shoes my mom took me to the circus for my birthday half my friends already went but now i've gone too Most kids make fun of me because I still believe in the tooth fairy. But I got five bucks yesterday, I believe. A third of the kids in my eighth grade class drink alcohol regularly. Over 99% of my class has been offered illegal drugs. Half of my college classmates binge drink, abuse drugs, or do both. But the frequent dinners I had with my family have helped make sure I'm not one of them.
2: Go to casafamilyday.org, take the Family Day pledge, and get tips on how to talk to your kids about drugs and alcohol. Have dinner with them often, and you can significantly lower their risk of substance abuse. Dinner makes a difference. A message from the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University.
0: Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with Madeline Levine, who is the author of Teach Your Children Well, Why Values and Coping Skills Matter More Than Grades, Trophies, or Fat Envelopes. And we were talking about, uh, I guess, recovering from having not done things quite right or in in the most optimal way as a parent and and trying to reestablish the way things ought to be. What's the... The easiest way, do you think, for parents to begin this process with with young kids?
2: Okay, so I I, I just want to make a comment, Armin, about um, making mistakes. And, you know, you just said we we're talking about not having been the perfect parent, essentially. Like nobody's the perfect parent, just like no kids the perfect right, kid. Right. And and I I think we run the risk of um, overthinking every move we make, you know, the sort of helicopter parent who's constantly vigilant about everything that they do. Uh, Kids are pretty forgiving. We get to make some mistakes. It's really good if we can come back and correct them. But um, I think it's important that parents know because they're bombarded with, you know, books on child development and how to parent. And sometimes they agree and sometimes they disagree and say the exact opposite thing. And I mean, if you can get very confusing. That's true. I, you know, I
0: kind of knew the moment I said those words, <laughs> you were going to say, it's not going to let me get away with that. Okay.
2: Right. Um, so your question was, what do I think we ought to be doing with young kids? Um, I, I think at the at, after traveling this country for the last five years, and I, uh, mostly that's what I'm doing, is I've, I think I've been to, you know, most every state in the country. The issues are very much the same wherever I go. And those issues have to do with tremendous anxiety about how kids are performing, um, and whether or not they're going, whether or not this whole country is going to be viable in kind of the flat world that we live in now. An awful lot of pushing around academics and um, the school you go to and status and this kind of stuff. I think that's a big mistake. I think that. And, and let me be clear about this. Um, I am in no ways anti-intellectual, which, which is occasionally a criticism. Um, you know, I joke around. I'm a Jewish PhD from New York City married to what my, my family likes to call a real doctor. You know, my husband's a surgeon. <laughs> um, so th- there's no anti-intellectual sentiment here. It's really about getting kids to do the best they can, what's their best shot at being academically successful. And we know that it is not filling in bubbles, and it is not staying up till 2 in the morning doing homework, and it is not the pressure around getting straight A's, that learning is really about engagement and enthusiasm and stuff like that. So I think that there's so much pressure in the outside world around this. I just spoke to a mom on Friday who just wanted to send her kid at the end of the summer to a one week just regular hangout camp, you know, play and swim and Yeah. Her all her friends were going, What, you know, Jonathan's so talented at tennis and how could you not be sending him to a tennis camp? And you know, these are the kinds of things that are really disturbing. Disturbing enough to call a shrink and say, Is it okay to send my kid just to hang out? <laughs> and, and of course, it is. So it's good to send your kid, but there's so much pressure. And I think parents have to sort of take a look at the pressure of their communities um, and decide whether or not they want to participate in it. We have enough information that says rates of emotional problems of kids are exploding. Yeah, 25 um, percent of of girls at the end of high school suffer from clinical depression, not not just crabby, but clinical depression. Um, Wait, by high school, at the end of high school. Oh, my goodness. In in communities like Marin County, or you know, affluent communities, not yeah. rich communities, affluent communities. So the you know the cost is great, um, and the outcome is not particularly good. So you end up with kids with a great sense of entitlement who are book learned, um, who are not empathic, and who don't actually have the skills that businesses want in the 21st century. So the kinds of problems that, that are that are being faced are very complex. They're not going to be solved by one person competing alone. They're going to be solved across time zones and cultures and languages.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah.
2: So learning how to be collaborative as opposed to only competitive is important. Um, looking at your kids' school and making sure they're not getting too much homework. We know that we know sort of optimal levels of homework and kids are not getting it. being... Um, an active advocate for your child so that they're not overwhelmed, so that they're not taking Adderall to stay up all night and finish homework assignments. Right, right. Um, All those things are important. And it's funny because in um, Teach Your Children Well, I I hate exercises in books, and I don't think I've ever done an exercise in a book in my life. But there is is an exercise in there around values um, because I think – that has kind of gotten lost in all the anxiety and sort of take, you know, take a look at your values and see whether or not you're parenting in right. alignment.
0: Well, right that's now. kind of why it was started off. That was the first question I was asking about what, what are values? I think mm-hmm. that it's, it's something that I was just interviewing somebody a couple of weeks ago and he asked the question that he asks a lot of people in his, his seminars that he does about what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And that was something he says people have a tremendous amount of difficulty with. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thinking it's probably given how fast we're moving in our lives that values is something that we don't spend enough time thinking about.
2: We don't. And no. And I I just did a, a seminar at Aspen Ideas Institute on uh, what makes a life well lived, and it was it was really interesting because and this is slightly provocative and. I don't mean to be provocative, but at the end of—well, maybe I do. After also <laughs> <laughs> yes, it up, but at the end of the seminar, it was kind of like, you know, yes, we of course we want our kids to be happy, but—and um, this may be because I see kids who are hurting. Um, I, I think more than anything, we want our kids to have well-being and to, which isn't necessarily happy all the time. We want them to have a sense of of meaning which isn't necessarily happy all the time. So this idea of all I want is for my kids to be happy, I sort of tilt towards saying what I really want is for my kids to be able to meet the challenges of life um, head-on and deal with them and pick themselves up when they fall down. And, of course, I want them to be happy, but I have a just a little bit of trouble with the word happiness, because then it's like, well, my kid left his homework on the desk, and he's going to be really unhappy if I don't bring it up to school. And I would say he needs to be really unhappy. Please don't bring it up to school.
0: So oh, that's yeah. What, what do you get as far as responses when you say something like that? I mean, from your husband, I already know he's he's one hundred percent in agreement with you. But you know, for something so simple like that, or you know, left the brought brought the wrong shoes, or yeah. didn't do something. You know, and do the parents push back and say, well, no, I mean, that that's not happiness. That's just being, you're just torturing this kid.
2: <laughs> so it's really funny. I started an organization, co-founded an organization at Stanford called Challenge Success. And we're in about 150 schools around the country. And my co-founder and I, when we talk together, we, we actually take a different point of view. We always use this example and we take a different point of view. She says, you absolutely never, ever bring it up because it's what we call a successful failure so your 10 year old left his homework on the table he's got, he learns two things out of it one he learns the logistics of um, uh, perseverance and, and um, not forgetting again maybe he needs to put it in the car maybe he needs to leave a note for himself maybe he needs to put it in his backpack you know he's got a logistical thing to figure out and he's got an emotional thing to figure out he is going to feel bad Right? And he's going to have to tolerate that. He's not going to put his head through the wall. He's at school. Um, maybe he'll get a little teary. Maybe he'll talk to the teacher. Maybe he'll walk around the playground. Successful failure means it's a failure within the capacity of the child to manage it. So she's adamant, no matter how much pushback we get back. I always say, look, I would, I would be lying. It would be disingenuous of me to say I never brought my kids' work up to school. I raised three boys. Um, so what I had 36 years of education between them, no, much more than that because they went. But anyway, did I ever bring anything up? Of course I did. Um, on rare occasions. And the reason I did, and this goes back to values, Armin, is in my family, a really strong value was I've got your back. And so that trumped things sometimes. If I knew something was critically important, I've got your back trumped the value of the successful failure.
0: Madeline Levine is the author of Teach Your Children Well, Why Values and Coping Skills Matter More Than Grades, Trophies, or Fat Envelopes. Madeline, great to have you. Thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. This heavyweight bout is about to begin. The challenger wears white trunks with a blue stripe, and the champ is wearing now uh, looks like an examination gown from the doctor's office. And from the back, we can ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with a crazy getup? I've got to take care of my family. Yeah, so? Well, when you love your family, you got to go in and get those important medical screenings. A lot of potentially deadly diseases can be treated if you catch them in time. So you wear the examination gown because... Because I'm a real man. Real men take care of their families and get those tests. Real men wear gowns. Okay, champ. Good luck. Here we go. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The champ's not wasting any time. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's over. This fight is over. Champ, you barely broke a sweat. Any words for your fans out there? Remember, go to AHRQ.gov for a list of the tests they need to get and when to get them. What was that web address again? AHRQ.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to AHRQ.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ, and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Braun. I'm joined by Samantha Fuse, who is my writing partner on Parents at Play. Today, I wanted to kind of resurrect something as an interview that I did a couple of weeks ago with uh, Laura Overdeck, who's the author of Bedtime Math. And I, so we ended up taking that particular interview, and I did a review of her book called Bedtime Math and found a number of other books that were really interesting kind of along the, the strange and new ways to teach math and science. And so I want to tell you about a couple of those things. And one of the things, actually, that Laura Overdeck talks about is something that just seemed painfully simple, but I had never thought of it, which is we read our kids' bedtime stories because we want them to get familiar with stories. We want them to get familiar with the usage of language. But we never read math time stories. And so her book was was kind of based on that idea of here's a little story that involves some math calculations. Can you you explain
1: what a math time story is?
0: Yeah. it's for They'll have some sort of information about uh, flamingos stand on one foot for four minutes. And then they'll tell a the little bit of a story about this pink flamingo that was standing around. And then there's, there's three different problems. So there's a very easy problem, a kind of a medium one, and a kind of a little bit of a harder one, which is, I mean, going up to probably about age seven. So the, one of the problems might be, for example, okay, so the flamingo can stand on one leg for four minutes. If you have three flamingos, how long are they standing t- total? how many minutes total. So you're doing little calculations, but you've got the story that makes it interesting. My daughter, who's 10, was really into these things. And so then I broke out another book, Potentially Catastrophic Science by Sean Connolly. And Catastrophic Science has got all these catastrophic science experiments. And they're just, they're fun. Is what They they really are. It's really incredibly fun. And Sean Connolly has got a math book. So I'll tell you a little bit more about the math book. So you've got a scenario that he sets up. And one of my favorite ones is you are trapped in the dungeon of some horrible castle and you are tied to a table and there is a, a axe a huge axe that's swinging back and forth over your body and every time it swings it goes down 1 inch so how long do you have to get out of the bindings and there's a little mouse who's chewing and it says so the mouse is going to be able to chew through the ropes in in three and a half minutes do you have time and so you have to do all these calculations you have to figure out how how many minutes it's going to be or how many seconds it's going to be adds a little bit of an element of of urgency to the problems and it makes it so much easier to say well how is this relevant to my life is the big question that I That's always the had.
1: That's a problem I always had personally. I never really got it. Why do I need to know this nonsense? <laughs>
0: yeah, so now you know if you're trapped in a dungeon.
1: What uh, ages do you recommend these books for?
0: Well, I think the bedtime math probably goes up to about seven. I'd say maybe four to seven or eight. and But the catastrophic science and then the, the similar one, dangerous math, is I, I would say they can go up to, to probably seventh or eighth grade. There's not a huge amount. There's some algebra ones you can calculate with algebra, but most of them are... are Multiplication, division—these things were not something that I could just sit down and figure out, and without having to write stuff down. So, so you can check out our reviews of potentially catastrophic science and bedtime math, and a lot of other things at ParentsAtPlay.com. For Samantha Fuse, I'm Armin Brott